Hey, thanks for downloading OV-117, Vault Movies 3. Uh, this episode was actually recorded a few months ago before Mike uh, left on his sabbatical. So he's here, so that's awesome. He's he's back in this episode, sort of. Um, the reason that I'm releasing this episode is because uh, after PopCon and kind of getting the ground running, like directly after PopCon, Tiny got a new job. <laughs> Uh, so in order to kind of give him time to get acclimated to his new job, um, I figured I'd, I'd release this episode so that we didn't have to record so he can, you know, concentrate on his, on his, on his new job. Um, so that's why this episode is kind of chronologically out of whack. Um, it's still a new episode, never before heard, so I hope you enjoy it. Other than that, you know, you know where to find us. We'll have the outro and everything. This will be a normal episode. I do want to mention that since we've been having some downtime uh, this month with Tiny getting a new job and everything, I am finally starting on this uh, solo side project podcast that I'm doing. Um, though there will be more details about that as in the coming days. It's, uh, I'm hoping that the first episode is released like August 3rd and I'll do a whole thing with Obsessive Ear. But just be on the lookout for that. If you like my voice or if, you, if you're not annoyed by me at all, uh, I will be having a solo podcast on the side. Um, yeah, so without further ado, here's OV-117, Vault Movies 3. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters. And this is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello, guys, and welcome to a, the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find our entire catalog anywhere you can find podcasts, iTunes, whatever. And uh, also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, so, guys, long time no talk. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just recorded our bonus episode, guys. Um, so yeah, this this week's episode is uh, a special one because we do occasionally we do vault movie episodes, which basically we've, do, we've done it twice. Yes, the topic's so nice, we did it twice. I don't know. Oh boy, I yeah, I've had such a long week. I've been so tired. <laughs> so. Yeah, so Vault Movies is essentially, these are the movies that we feel are strong enough to warrant an entire episode devoted to them and to be locked in a hypothetical vault in which they would not be lost in the event of an apocalyptic or extinction level event. Um, Same concept as like a Desert Island movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Except we have a vault. Right. Uh, so yeah, so we've previously done two episodes devoted to vault movies. I'll have the links in the show notes. Um, and off the top of my head, I can't remember what movies we've done. Uh, Back to the Future. The Godfather. The Godfather. Halloween. Seven. Seven. Pulp Fiction. Two more Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Saving Private Ryan. Saving Saving Private Ryan. Thank you for saving the 
topic. So this week, uh, we each have a movie that we're going to talk about. Who should go first? I can. Okay, cool. Yeah. Tiny, hit us with your first your entry. My selection, I present to you, listeners, co-hosts, friends, any ghosts that might be listening. I present to you uh, <laughs> The Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Uh, based on Stephen King's short story, Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Actually, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank and Redemption. Shaw- that's right. My yeah. bad. I've never read it, so ah. um, it's just the yeah, other. There's no the. Um, this is a highly and widely revered movie, uh, and it's for a very good reason because it's really good. Um, no, I think I think what makes this movie just fantastic is basically everything about it. It's uh, it, it has a really catchy title because you're like the Shawshank Redemption. What the hell is that? Um, and then you have this just absolutely fantastic story of a guy who is kind of ambiguously convicted of a serious crime and goes to jail for two life sentences. Um, and then, you know, he tries to break his way out. It takes place over decades of time. Um, incredible cast of characters. There's just remarkable acting has a really great, uh, a really great setting. Um, in this, this old, very draconian kind of prison, um, clear cut and very, uh, very effective villains and antagonists throughout this. Um, and it just taps into these various human emotions that are just presented perfectly. I think, I think prison is a really, especially a you know like a post war prison like this is a really interesting setting for these kinds of characters and just to see to see the kinds of the range of human emotion that people go through in in prison um they they try to cling to cling to hope which is something that's that's hit on very several times throughout this movie um it's about deep deep despair and how that little bit of hope you can cling to can pull you out of that um it's about you know how there are some people in prison that really aren't bad people. Uh, it shows you how people who are in positions of power can sometimes be way worse than the criminals we put into prison. Um, it just hits all these different notes and all these these amazing highs and lows of what it means to to have power and to have no power and to be considered less than a person. And how powerful hope is really. I think that's mm-hmm. one. That's probably the highest. Uh, the the biggest point of the movie is how powerful hope can be. Um, it's it's just a phenomenal movie. If you've never seen it, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, it's just one of those movies that I think it 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 um, it goes across generations. I don't. I thought for a while I thought this movie was maybe just people like in our generation who kind of you know, came of age in the late nineties, early two thousands, really like latched onto this movie. <clears throat> but I think it's, it, it's, it's much more than that. Um, this movie, cause, cause people in their fifties and sixties, uh, you know, any, any kind of age range really like this movie a lot. Um, I think for a, a while or maybe still it is at the top of the IMDb 250, top probably. 250. It's probably still a top five. I know it was the number one for a while. Um, but yeah, this is just a absolutely phenomenal movie. It's it's one of those movies that you watch and and you know you try to you try to break it down and, and think what you would do differently or what else you would like mm-hmm. to see from the movie. But you really, in my opinion, you can't find anything really. 
Um, there's very little that you could improve on in this movie. Um, it's just phenomenal. And it has uh, Morgan Freeman as the narrator. So right. it's kind of the – is it the original <laughs> Morgan Freeman narrated movie? I think so. I think I it's think the first so. one. It yeah. Like kinda, yeah. It kind of set off the trend, if you will. <laughs> Made him famous. I hope. um but yeah this is just this is absolutely a vault movie i think it's one of the best movies ever made Mm -hmm. i uh (laughs) a a couple quick anecdotes about this movie i talked about this on the on a recent episode if you don't mind me oh absolutely yeah um (laughs) this was the first movie i watched after moving into my apartment and uh i made the joke that it's because it uh Tiny, you said that I was classing up the the apartment a bit, and I was like, no, yeah, it has nothing to do with – it's everything to do with the fact that it's a really quality movie and nothing to do with the fact that it's about a guy who escapes from a prison after 20 years <laughs> um, or after two decades in, in prison. But right. no, and, and it's funny because this is a movie for me that is kind of a, an, an accidental benchmark movie for me hmm. uh, in that, A, I've watched it for – the first time I, it was the first movie I watched a movie into my own place after way too long. Um, <laughs> and another is there was a, this was such a lame in retrospect thing, but back in, I think it was like 2013 or something, there was that, that pastor or some church or something that was like, this is the day that the world's going to end and everything's going to, the world's ending. And it was a big hoopla on the media and stuff. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it was a hoax and all that, but it was, Something like like when the day happened, it was like a Friday or something. I was like, I don't have anything going on today. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to not pretend, but I was just like, you know what? If this was the last day, like if this was really the last day on earth, what would I want the last movie I watched be? Wow. That's such a great question. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, That's a good choice. Yeah. Great it was, choice. It was, it, was, it was an enjoyable time. <laughs> um, and I think part of that, maybe subconsciously, it was just, you know, in that context of watching it as the last movie I'd watched on Earth, is it does have a lot to do with hope and, and, and characters being, I hesitate to say finding redemption, but I mean, that is, it's a redemptive movie for right. a lot of characters. And it's about um, Andy Dufresne. He, like he, you know, one of the things I love about it is that it's about him escaping prison, essentially. But that's a twist. That's you don't know anything about it. And I apologize right. if we just spoil it for you. But I mean, who doesn't know that by now? Yeah. Um, and but it's something that's so satisfying to see him becoming acclimated to the prison environment to this new environment and then using being resourceful enough to where he becomes a point of he he distinguishes himself with these in this new environment only to just completely screw over the people that are that are the actual crooks of this of this society it's it's an interesting it's an interesting almost Almost universal kind. Of, it has an almost universal appeal where you can watch it and you can kind of attach different themes to it while not being because because it could have easily been just a a prison movie, but it's not reliant on the fact that it's in prison. It's it's about the characters and about their their struggles as humans and everything. Like I mean, who doesn't remember um, Brooks? 
being released and, and his right. his arc there was just so human in its in its depiction and also sub the subtext of it was about prison and and stuff uh, uh, the dangers of, of prison and reacclimating uh, to society and stuff like that. But that's downplayed enough to where you're focused on the character and his struggle and everything that it's not like it's a political point being made or anything like that. Right. Um, it's a very, very strong movie on several, several facets. Um, right. Mike, what do you think of Shawshank? I like to play a fun game with this movie and three, uh, two other specific movies. The 1995 Academy Award Best Picture. Um, the nominees were Quiz Show and Four Weddings and a Funeral, but we can kind of toss those aside. Uh, and then Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and I can't think of a year where there were three um, just kind of decade-defining movies like in 1995 that are so hard for me to decide which one is which. If I if I were around, I probably would have given the vote to Pulp Fiction. Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction is already in our vault, and it was my choice, and I love Pulp Fiction, uh, and I argued that it was kind of one of the best, or it is the movie of the 90s, but um, could Shawshank have won it? And of course, we know Forrest Gump did win, but what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think I would have wanted Shawshank to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it would have been my pick. Um, you know, I think I think that's sort of subject to time. Like what – if you had asked 1995 Tiny when I was eight years old, I'd have been like, what's what's Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Um, you know, and so at the time I would have been like Forrest Gump without question. Mm, you know, but right. when I was a teenager, I'd be like Shawshank Redemption. But now I'd be like Pulp Fiction. I right. Mean, it's one of those things I think it's you – know, it just – it kind of depends on where you are as a person sort of. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't mean one's, I, one's better or today worse. Today, I would rank them: Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, and Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah, I'd I'd probably do Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, and uh, Forrest Gump. I haven't seen Forrest Gump in a long time. Yeah, still good. Still good. I'm I'm curious to see it. So uh, I saw this for the uh, for the first time living with Matt freshman right. year of college. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, which is funny considering that it's always on Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons on WGN. Or TNT. Especially, yeah, or TNT, especially during the late 90s, early 2000s. It was always on. I remember that was a a criticism of me um, when I got really into it and I bought it. It was like people kept saying, you haven't already seen that? Well, no, I hadn't. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, (laughs) when – when you're the third person to talk about a movie that we've already been talking about, there's not a whole lot left to say, but um, I agree with, with all of uh, everything you guys have said. I think the movie um, has a lot of iconic scenes. Mm-hmm. Fun to think about. I always like when Andy Dufresne kind of comes out of the, um, out of the, the tunnel for the first time. And um, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a fantastic movie. Um, and I definitely think it deserves to be in the vault. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The scene where he plays the uh, plays the record from the warden's office. Yeah. Gosh, what's the music? Is it Mozart he's playing? It's Hollaback Girl. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> I can't remember well, which. It's French, right? Is it French? Well, it was it was an opera, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because he was talking about the lyrics. So yeah, it was German. Like, Is it German? I don't, I don't recall. Matt, do you remember my reaction when I first saw it? Yeah, I. I... Yeah. I... 
I... <laughs> Yay! That was your reaction. No, uh, I va- go ahead. What was it? <laughs> I don't remember it. I was just seeing if you. Oh, do. oh. Um, you know, I actually remember it because I, uh, I don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I remember you really, really loved it. Um, yeah, I bought it. Yeah, I went out and bought it right away. You said something that it, it kind of stuck with me, but I can't remember what it was. So it didn't really stick with me that much. Yeah, <laughs> oh man. No, but it, but yeah, I, I think you celebrated me for for uh, giving for recommending it to you. And uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was just like, yeah. yeah. And then in in retrospect, it's like, hey, hey, guy, I'm 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 living with, and I just met. Here's this movie about this guy who just goes to prison and he gets raped a lot. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's funny, but I'm not sure we just met. I, yeah, I, think, I think I it watched was... it in like December. We probably known each other for six months. Yeah, that's okay. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we had already cuddled by then. Right. Oh yeah, we were. We've been sleeping together for six months. Um, <laughs> Jesus. See, that's all I really have to say about it. Um, I, I, I'm guessing most of our listeners have seen it. It's just one of those. Uh, yeah. It's it's a borderline perfect movie in my book, and absolutely in my top ten. Of all Good time. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so should we move on to the next in, 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 in entry? Yeah, that's fine. Mike, do you want to throw yours? Sure. Up? So I thought a long time about what movie I wanted to put in here. Um, and, I, and I even fought bringing up this movie for a <laughs> while. Just because I think it's, it's too obvious. And I knew that eventually I'd be talking about this movie and – it would just seem too spot on, too too on the nose. But uh, I figure the time is right. Um, we only do one or two of these a year. And so um, since Star Wars Episode Seven is coming out in December, uh, I would like to submit Star Wars uh, to the vault. Mm. What is that? Such a good movie. Okay. I'm just thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, it just sounded like a oh no no <laughs> it was because I have to wait eight more months for episode seven to come ah. out. Um, now, if you are wondering what I'm talking about, which movie I'm talking about when I say Star Wars, I picked my words specifically and carefully. <laughs> I meant Star Wars, and I mean Star Wars in the sense that in the 90s when I fell in love with Star Wars, it was only called Star Wars. The first of three movies called Star Wars, Empire Strike Back, Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. I loved Star Wars. Later on, of course, they named it uh, in the 1997 re-releases when they decided um, that they were just going to advertise it as the episode title. It became Episode 4, A New Hope. Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Um, and that's kind of a minor bugaboo of mine. I don't like when people say, uh, you know, give me your top, your, your favorite movies. And I say Star Wars, and they're like, which one? I said, I meant Star Wars. I, I said the one that I mean. You, get, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Star Wars, 1977 Star Wars, uh, which is the story of a comedic duo of astromech droids and their adventures through space. <laughs> <laughs> astromech um, droids, wow. Yeah. So it's so obvious, right, that this movie has to be in the vault. It is – It is. Um, like what do you even say? It's one of the most seen movies of all time. It's one of the most popular movies of all time. Um, we're still talking about it in a way that's fresh and new and interesting and important some 37, 8 years later. 
Um, that's incredible. Just the lasting impression that this little movie in 1977, uh, produced and directed by this this dork of a man, George Lucas, um, came out. It's just crazy what it's done. And so I could talk for a little while about you know what what it meant to to me. But I've already done that. I did that with Matt. Uh, I could talk about just kind of the scope of the merchandising and um, the scope of all the spinoffs and the expanded universe and the action figures has meant to me and has meant to the world. But we've already done that before. So when we talk about vault movies, we talk about the quality of the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that I, I kind of broke that rule when I asked about the Academy Awards with Shawshank Redemption, but Tiny mostly spoke of the quality of the movie, so I, I think I want to do that with Star Wars. Um, that said, it's a f***ing fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about Star Wars, despite the uh, the relatively common belief that the entire thing was imagined uh, before the first movie was produced, it really wasn't. I mean, George Lucas had a sketch of what he wanted to happen, and um, but it was it was vastly different from the movie we got, and they had no idea that they were going to make a sequel until the first one made billions and billions of dollars. Well, not billions, but hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so Star Wars works because it works as a self-contained story, and you can't really say that about any of the other movies, uh, especially Empire Strikes Back, which I think is the more popular or the most popular. People kind of cite that as the best one, but that one only works as the as the keystone, the centerpiece of of the trilogy. Right. Um, the first movie is fantastic. It's it's the three act form. Um, is just the is blended together perfectly. We get the 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 introduction of of this the space pirate in Han Solo who kind of redeems himself at the end. Uh, and I I've never met somebody who sees the scene in Star Wars where uh, Han comes back um, and doesn't cheer or doesn't smile or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is beautiful. Also, the humor, I think a lot of people forget about. Um, I think people dog on the humor of Star Wars because of Jar Jar and the prequel trilogy. But the first one is uh, is initially very funny, um, especially, you know, some of the dialogue with Han and Han and Luke and Han and Chewie and Han with the with the um, people on the Death Star when when he says uh, we're but we're all fine here. How how are you? Um, that's that's one of my favorites. Oh, the yeah. special effects, even today, are incredible. Um, done with miniatures back then and enhanced later on with computer effects, are just incredible to watch and so much fun to watch. I love specifically for me. I'm not a big fan of fantasy. Uh, you know, in the Lord of the Rings traditional sense of fantasy, I'm, I've always been more of a sci-fi type of person. Um, and it wasn't until just recently, maybe in the last five years, that I realized Star Wars really is a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Luke Skywalker, based on the hero's myth, Joseph Campbell's hero's myth. Um, it's very much a fantasy type of movie. There are wizards and princesses and pirates and magic and all, all of that stuff um, set in this science fiction atmosphere and universe. So it's kind of like a way for me to get into something um fantasy that i that i wouldn't have before because i i love this thing so much um what else is there to say uh carrie fisher as princess leia is unbelievably hot in the movie (laughs) um and and i think my initial impression of her was that i had seen her in blues brothers uh where she was a little bit older and so she was kind of a little 
out of my uh, sphere of interest as far as girls were concerned. So I don't have like this love for Princess Leia that a lot of people, uh, you know, 10 or so years older than I have. Um, but I can recognize today that Carrie Fisher at nineteen twenty was ridiculously hot. People criticize um, Mark Hamill's performance sometimes for being a little immature. It was, after all, his first uh, major feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his uh, immaturity and his lack of experience kind of lends itself to the character of Luke Skywalker. So I, I appreciate that. Um, I also love the the gravitas that... Uh, Alec Guinness brings to the picture and of course the story about how they got him and how you know everybody was a a little intimidated by him on set you kind of feel that and I think you're supposed to feel that for Obi-Wan I also think that Vader is terrifying early on he's not so scary now that I'm a little older and a little used to it but I I'd like to think or I'd like to wonder sometimes what a young kid would think if they saw Vader on the screen for the first time that that stuff Hmm. interests me um and so it's just it's my favorite adventure movie ever. It's I think my fourth favorite movie of all time, uh, based on my most recent top ten list. Uh, and, I, and I'm sorry it's so obvious. If you're a if you're a listener of this show and if you listen to our vault episodes, I'm either sorry it took me so long to submit Star Wars <laughs> or sorry sorry that I did such an obvious one so early. But uh, there it is. I submit Star Wars as my pick for the vault. <laughs> nice. Um, long overdue, Mike. What the hell took you so long <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to get to this movie? No. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that that Star Wars is uh, that that Empire is is regarded as the best, but this is the this is a self contained movie, and it's it's strong in that uh, uh-huh. respect. And like I remember, I remember saying to you like like years ago, saying like, yeah, I think Star Wars is better than Empire, Empire. And you're like, really? Uh, and I I do think that this is my favorite of the franchise uh, uh-huh. so far. But yeah. and a lot oh yeah, of- I don't hide the fact that I used to my my favorite movie has changed many times over time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Initially, it was Return of the Jedi, and then throughout high school and college, it was Empire, and I've kind of circled back to. Uh, Star Wars. In favorite should in just generally speaking favorite movies in general should change as you grow anyway. But sure. Sure. the reason why I liked this movie so much more than the others is because it is a self-contained movie and I like I, honestly you mentioned the the three act structure and everything try to find a more tightly paced in economically told story i guess in in a yes. two-hour span in yes. a movie i, I honestly you don't cannot. i really don't think you can i think that this is the perfect two-hour movie in terms of pacing and and action and and all that um yes yeah and and <laughs> you mentioned darth vader being scary i kind of wonder what my nephews would think yeah um, that's a good point yeah <laughs> show it to them I, I, think think. I think i'm gonna try to they're kind of they're not really that open to watching new stuff unless it's stuff that they're familiar with. So, uh, yeah, but you know, well, kids are dumb. They are. They are <laughs> dumb. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's these. You hit the nail on the head with everything you said. <laughs> these movies are fun. They're adventure movies, and it's it's thrilling to to watch it. Uh, and I mean. 
my feelings on the entire franchise notwithstanding and, and the fandom of it, I respect Star Wars as this cultural icon that it is. And one of the things that I noticed when or was thinking about while watching uh, my Blu-ray set a couple months ago was that there is so many there are so many working directors today who would not have a career had Star Wars not inspired them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I think that that's Definitely. Yeah, and I think that the level of influence that Star Wars bestowed upon an entire generation and generations of young sci-fi-minded creative people who would go on to create some of the stuff that I adore um is is worthy of its of, of vault status and mm-hmm. cool our, nice thing so it's in yes it's decided best movie ever <laughs> tiny star wars wins all Jesus. yay yay <laughs> could you use a pod race though tiny what do you think of star wars <laughs> <laughs> hey oh. Say what you will about Phantom Menace. The pod race is one of my favorite parts. It's it's cool. It's freaking uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Um, the pod racing arcade game and the Nintendo sixty four game. Shoot! <laughs> Shoot! Jesus. Um. Yeah. I I'm so glad that Mike brought this up. Um. And and I loved I loved everything that you said. You tried to talk about the quality of the movie. Um. Mm-hmm. And I agree one hundred percent. Um. It's it's been a long time since I've attempted to to think about this movie as a standalone movie like the way you talk it's hard to do it's very hard to do Mm because i i i'm one of the people who falls into i think uh um uh oh my gosh uh empire empire the second one is my uh my favorite movie of the whole series Mm -hmm. um but like you said you can't have the sequel without the first one you know um and it's it's kind of a problem sort of to, to have that yeah. opinion. Um, and, and I love what Matt said about how, how well it's structured. Um, and, and it's, I think it's even more impressive when you consider the, the fact that it, it literally has the, the burden of establishing a whole universe. Um, there are tons of characters throughout it. Uh, it the main character is a teenager. Um, and it, it's, it spans across several planets and, 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 solar systems and stuff like that um that's a really impressive feat and why i think the movie's great um and then just to i know mike didn't want to talk about it, the the pop culture juggernaut that star wars is there's basically nothing else that compares to it i that i can't i can't really think of anything else that compares to star wars um i mean maybe the marvel cinematic universe i mean time will tell but uh, it's like the closest thing to it Maybe. I'd say Trek may be up there in terms of volume of, of Star Trek stuff. Yeah, maybe. Like in know. terms of influence. Well, influence and just expansion of of its universe. Universe. Yeah, yeah. Breadth of universe, I should say. Could be. Yeah, that might be on par with it. But, yeah. anyways, um, one thing that I I learned a long time ago. It's a fun fact. Um, in the eighties, I don't remember exactly what year it what year it happened uh the national cathedral in washington dc was nearing completion it was it took them 80 years to build the national cathedral i believe uh it's in the same yeah it's in yeah. the same style of uh notre dame in, in paris or uh westminster abbey westminster abbey in london it's a huge grand cathedral 
And uh, through National Geographic, the federal government held a contest for kids to write in and choose their uh, favorite depiction of an evil of evil. Like what would, what would they have as something that's very evil? Uh, and it, whatever was selected would be put as a carving into the national cathedral somewhere. And the winner, <laughs> the winner was Darth Vader. So if, <laughs> if you go to the national cathedral on the Northwest tower, very high up, there is a carving of uh, Darth Vader's helmet. That's fantastic. Um, so I think so, cool. something like that just illustrates, that's an interesting example of, the pop culture influence of this, um, of this series, and mm-hmm. and and the movie. This is the movie that kicked it all off. Um, it's just it's Star Wars, man. It's Star Wars. The I love it. Funny thing about that is that about twenty twenty five years after that, if you were to ask people who their favorite depiction of evil would be, it would be George Lucas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very true. So yeah, yeah. I wonder what would win today. That eh? contest, huh? I mean, I don't think kids read National Geographic anymore. <laughs> what year did you say that was? It was 80s, early 80s, I think. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not sure. What would it be today? Oh, boy. Yeah. Ooh. I don't I know. don't know that I want to think about what it is today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Star Wars, love it. Absolutely a top five movie, probably. Um, yeah, good movie. It's, cool. uh, you know, it's something something I'll watch on a rainy day sometime. So you don't like it all that much? Gotcha. Now we know. <laughs> no, but I do really enjoy it quite a bit. Good. Yeah. Would it be in Good. Your, your personal vault, Matt? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. If only for its pacing and its uh, cultural influence for our pop culture. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll I take just, it. Yeah. I just looked up the, the uh, National Cathedral. Yeah. Uh, sculpture thing. It's hard to see. It is, yeah. It's it's a very small thing, but it's it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Huh. Yep. Uh yeah, so that's that's Star Wars and I guess that leaves it to mine to my pick for uh Do it homeboy. Home home homeboy. <laughs> well, for consideration into the obsessive viewer vault, I'm putting forth the two thousand four horror movie by Danny Boyle. Uh, 28 Days Later. And, you know, this isn't as structurally... It doesn't have the structural integrity of storytelling that Shawshank or Star Wars has. But it's it's very near and dear to my heart because it really helped... I would go so far as to say it helped reignite my love of horror. And uh, it single-handedly ignited my love of zombie movies. Uh, I mean the the semantics of whether or not it's a, if if it's a zombie movie or not is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It but it did ignite a uh, a, a certain revival of of the zombie genre, and and it really reinvented it. And as a result of it, several several almost countless movies have been produced because of the influence of Twenty Eight Days Later and because of what 28 Days Later did to that subgenre. But at its heart, it's a really strong, strong movie. And it's a strong independent movie, too, much like, much like Star Wars. Not that I'm comparing Star Wars with 28 Days Later. <laughs> but it's a very strong independent movie. The shots, the opening shots of um, Jim walking around just London, just empty, is 
ap- are absolutely jaw dropping in terms of the just how it establishes the universe, the 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 world that he's in, and also in as a feat of filmmaking. Because if you think about it, Twenty Days Later didn't have that big of a budget or anything. They had to film those shots in very short bursts. Uh, during during the early morning hours when there isn't the, the, uh, that much traffic out or anything like that. And they actually got uh, uh, topless girls to hold signs and, and to kind of keep onlookers at bay so that they could be out, out of the shot. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that, that kind of, kind of, uh, like that kind of interesting filmmaking techniques and, and, and kind of tricks to to pull that stuff off is, is really interesting to me. And it's something that really comes through in the finished product as it's, it's a very strong post-apocalyptic zombie movie for me. And it follows, <clears throat> it follows a, a three act structure, much like, much like star Wars, but not as, you know, seamless <laughs> as star Wars. But I mean, you get the first one with, with Jim and Selena just find like meeting that meeting meeting Selena and the other guy and then and then going through until they reach the apartment block uh where they meet the Brendan Gleason's character and his daughter and then that first act is just all world building all very very horrifying horror and and it really taps into the humanity and lack of humanity that is needed to survive in this this just this horrifying world uh, the scene where um, Naomi Harris's character uh, chops off the uh, kills her companion um, is just really gripping to me, and it's it's what's fascinating to me about it, and what's very what's more um, what makes it so much more effective is that there's it's he's he's been bitten on the arm. And they see the blood pulling out of it, and he says he's trying to play it off like he's not bitten or anything. And then they kind of have this look; they share this look, like yeah, he's bitten and everything. And then he's like, wait. And then she just she chops him up with a machete, and it's so almost heartless, but there's a heart to it because she's you know preventing him from turning into that. And it's just it's a very powerful sequence for me and and moving along to the second act where they're they're they find the hope of the signal and then they go to the it's their road to the uh to the base is just really more world building and it's it plays into more of the question of what why should they remain like hopeful if if nothing is going to happen or or if they find nothing what what does that mean for their the world as a whole and then finally the third act is where a lot of people get dis dissuaded by it or or kind of dislike it um but i think it works really well in the context of the story because it 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 creates this man versus man dynamic and it and it introduces new antagonists that are aside from the from the from the creatures the infected and it's it it takes the world that's been created throughout the last hour or so of the movie and it switches it around tweaks it around and and makes Jim the main character played by Killian Murphy turn in turn from a a beta character who's dependent on other people to becoming this fully fleshed out um, heroic 
character who is defending his friends and saving his friends and it's a very strong transformation for me throughout the entire movies gra- the gradual progression is is very satisfying to me i think it's a very good case of characterization and and it's it's played very well and with very limited limited budget and and uh, filmmaking allowances i guess uh to where they have to really Danny Boyle and his his crew had to really use some very interesting techniques to create it. And by the end of the movie, I was just left just really satisfied with it and very incredibly – it left me with a very thought-provoking feeling, I guess. What did you guys think of of it? I'm kind of running out of of words (laughs) to talk about it. Right. Tony, go ahead. Yeah, um, I I – would absolutely put this movie in my vault as well. Nice. Um, and I have a really, I have a kind of an interesting experience with it because mm. it came out in 2002 and I think it was like summer between our freshman and sophomore years of high school. Mm-hmm. I want to say that's when it came out. And, uh, sounds about right. I think I saw it sophomore year on your recommendations. It came out in 2004. So it would have been junior. 2002. Year. It came out. 2000, of, did it come out in 2002? Yeah. yeah. Wow, I that's embarrassing. Maybe you're thinking uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. I was, I yeah, I messed up uh, earlier. I said 2004. I apologize, listeners. Go oh, ahead, cool. Tiny. No, that's cool. Um, see, I saw I saw it like a sophomore year on your high recommendation, and I really mm-hmm. I really didn't get it. I really I was like I don't I don't know. I just thought I mean it was okay. Right. Um, right. I've never been a huge horror guy or anything. Um, and then I didn't watch it for a long time. And I think I watched it when I was like maybe 19 or 20 and I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell is wrong with me? Because <laughs> I, I think it's just it was it was like right as I was starting to like kind of develop more of my taste in movies, mm-hmm. like sophomore, freshman, sophomore year. And I j- it didn't um, it just didn't register with me for some reason mm-hmm. uh, when I saw it as like a 15, 16 year old. Um, but when I saw it later, I just I realized all of the I realized the the brilliance of it and how, how well structured it is and just the performance of it, how the, the, the very classic themes that they use kind of thrust into a modern, a modern genre or subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. And I, I agree with you. I, I really love the third act. It's my favorite part of the movie oh, yeah. um, because it just, it, it's sort of, I think, I think what a lot of zombie movies kind of do or have done in the past is they set up this they set up this this protocol where you have humans who are being pursued and hunted and whatever by these zombies and that's kind of the movie like the the rules are just so simple mm-hmm. in that regard that it gets kind of boring almost right uh, by the time you get to this late late in the second and end of the third act of the movie it's just kind of boring but this just throws in a whole wild card where you get these other humans who are who are really just unpredictable because you know with when it comes to the zombies or the the rage people in this movie you know exactly what you're getting there's no wild card there they're going to chase you they want to eat you and turn you into one of them it's just cut and dry but when you run into other people you never know what you're going to get you might mm-hmm. get the the dregs of society who want to take advantage of you and do horrible things to you which is what we get in this movie or you could get whoever you know someone who's righteous and wants to reestablish society or, or something like that. And so right. I think it, it threw in a nice twist in the third act and it was a really bold choice, a huge gamble that worked beautifully. 
Um, and I think I think some of the best stuff is in the third act. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a terrific movie. I think it, like I said, it's classic themes, but it does it. It puts it to a modern subgenre, and it's really well done. Um, I love the movie a lot. Nice, well said. Yeah, Mike, what do you think of it? Um, if we were voting, and that's not really how the vault works. It right. We tried it, and it doesn't work out. Right. Uh, I, would not, I would not vote this one to be in the vault. Understandable. Um, in fact, I'd go as far as saying I dislike the movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The first time I, I watched it, I think I liked it. Uh, I watched it on kind of a horror bender uh, with a bunch of other horror movies, and I was just kind of in the spirit of it. Um, and then I watched it again in, in a couple of the following Shocktobers just to um, just because I liked it so much the first time and I wanted to see if it kind of stuck. Was it was it really as good as everyone continued to say it was? Um, and unfortunately, every time I watched it, my enjoyment of it lessened um, dramatically. In fact, I think that um, it suffers from budgetary constraints. Um, I, I think it feels very independent, and and I know that's. That's tough to call that uh, a knock against a movie, um, but when I think of other independent um, horror movies, there's a lot of independent horror movies. But when I think of, you know, like Halloween, for example, it's it's just far superior in in the art of filmmaking and the cinematography of it. Um, I don't think that Killian Murphy is a very good lead. Um, I I think you know that it goes to show that he re- ha- really hasn't been in a whole lot of movies uh, mm-hmm. lately. Um, th- there's just something missing for me in the movie. Again, if you have listened to this podcast before, you know I'm not a fan of zombie movies, um, and I, I guess I'm just kind of waiting for a movie to transcend that. I think some are close. I think um, that. Uh, um, what's it called Shaun of the dead comes mm-hmm. close um but th- this one feels like another uh run of the mill like i have trouble um distinguishing between this and dawn of the dead i know they're i know they're dr- dramatically different stylistically one mm-hmm. of course is a Zack snyder movie and the other is danny boyle but um in terms of like the plot and the arc of the characters it, it just feels like another rote um zombie movie to me i want to like it more i i I feel like i want to watch it again just to see if i'm wrong but um you know even the even the stuff at the end doesn't doesn't interest me enough doesn't rein me back in the the attention that i've lost you know um maybe maybe i had seen too many zombie movies beforehand but the you know that they go to they go to his hot gym is that his character's name uh killian murphy yeah yeah that they go to his house and, you know, cause he's got to see his parents and of course mm-hmm. they're dead. So we got to move on. Maybe there's a, maybe there's an army base where they'll, we'll get help. I, I don't know. It just all feels done before. And, um, you know, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't watched the, if you can call what we do professional, I haven't watched the movie in a professional sense since mm-hmm. I saw it, I don't know, four years ago, maybe. Um, so I, I you know, maybe I'll give it a try this Shocktober and mm. sit down with a with a pen and some paper. But um, for right now, I, I don't think I would give it my vote for a vault movie. Interesting. Sorry. To, nah, to each their own. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I I understand your your troubles with it and everything. Um, yeah, I I mean I don't really have a rebuttal for 
any of it. <laughs> I yeah. I like your point about Killian Murphy because I think he's I think he's a very good actor, but he he is especially at this he's time point. He's a strange point, actor. He, well, and he's he's a very support. He's a strong supporting actor. Yeah, uh, sure. Character sure. actor to an extent, but you know, I, I know before this movie came out, uh, Danny Boyle was. His his guy was Ewan McGregor. That was his guy. Right. And they had a falling out. And I, yeah. I know Danny Boyle wanted Ewan McGregor to be in this and a lot of his movies. That's right. Um, after they're, Transpotting. Gotcha. Yeah, their falling out was that he wanted... Uh, I think Danny Boyle... The story goes that Danny Boyle wanted Ewan McGregor to be the lead in The Beach, but the studio wanted a bigger name, so they wanted him to cast Leo. Right. And uh, and then I guess that pissed Ewan off Ewan McGregor, McGregor was busy with, a, with another movie. Yeah, <laughs> another movie. So yeah, I think I think I would be curious to see how different Twenty Eight Days Later would play with Ewan McGregor in that lead role. Me yeah. too. Yeah, I really i I really enjoy Killian Murphy, and it, it's kind of it plays into the fa- the fact that the character is this naive kind of dependent character, and I like I didn't. I really, really like the scene where they go back to his house because he's so. It's such a such a natural instinct kind of thing for him to do because he just he just woke up in this world and he wants to go home. He wants to see his family, and no matter what these people who are clearly more in in touch with what's going on uh, are going to say, I could totally see a someone in in shock just being so adamant to to go home and i really enjoy oh i don't think that is i I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility in fact i think that's the first thing you you would do right right you just my point is that i've I've seen it before okay sure Sure. yeah Yeah. teach them sure i i thought that it was handled very well though um derivative or not i really thought i get kind of choked up uh, whenever he sees the note, he sees his parents' bodies um, in bed, and he sees the note saying just something about that note saying, uh, "I can't remember yeah. off the top." Well, of my head. well, you would because you're a bitch. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> but the, I'm kidding. But the, no, but the you're note, my bitch. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, the note saying saying uh, we we left this world with you asleep. Uh, now we're now we're dreaming with you or something like that, and then just the little end at the at the end that says "Don't wake up" is just it, that's chilling to me. Just yeah. on several levels, just knowing that I uh, like that did maybe more world building for me than sh- the shots of London, uh, mm-hmm. the desolate London. Um, yeah, so um, your notes. Your notes, Mike, are uh, noted, but I'm still going to put 20 Days Later in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's our three movies for the vault this time. Uh, yeah, what do you guys what, what do you guys think? Good choices. Final yeah. words. Yeah, I think it'll yeah. work. I think the, the I think these will I think these will f- find their place in the vault. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's the end. But, of course, we won't leave you without a little bit of potpourri. But since we don't really do potpourri with vault episodes, we're going to do a rapid-fire potpourri. Each of us has 10 seconds to tell us what we're into, what we're looking forward to, or what we like really quick as long as it smells good. So, tiny 10 seconds. Potpourri me. Uh, Game of Thrones, Season 5 starting. 
can't wait. It's going to be awesome. They're catching up to the books now. I'm curious to see how they break away from that. So it's going to be fun. Time's up. Nice. Matt, go. <laughs> I watched John Wick today for the first time, and Keanu Reeves is a really kick-ass guy, and I'm kind of curious if this is going to reinvigorate his career to be... Uh, Time's kinda- up. Oh! I <laughs> I watched Power Rangers a bunch. I also saw Unfriended recently, and I was really surprised at the way they handled teen horror. Um, I think a lot of young people are going to like the movie, and I liked it just enough. Time's up, I guess. I wasn't keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Awesome. All right, awesome. do it. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, and we'll throw it to the pre-recorded outros as usual. And thank you for listening, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Well, that's Vault Movies 3. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a regular episode with uh, Pat Coon from uh, the Nerd You're Looking For podcast. We're going to talk about Ant-Man. Um, and also, before you go, I want to mention that uh, since we recorded this episode a couple months ago, uh, Shocktober and Irvington 2 is happening. It's uh, October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater. We're going to be screening short films from local filmmakers, short horror films from local filmmakers, uh, giving away prizes, uh, gift cards, stuff like that. Um, it's going to be a blast. Uh, October 16th. Find out more information at shocktoberandirvington.com. Also, subscribe to the new Obsessive Viewer subreddit at r slash Obsessive Viewer. Um, I just posted today a thread that had links to every single one of our podcast episodes, uh, which was a a pretty productive way to spend uh, several hours at work today. Um, so since this episode was kind of short relative to our other episodes and we didn't really do a proper potpourri section or anything like that because it was a vault episode – and we were both, we were all three really tired when we <laughs> recorded it. Um, since this, since in lieu of a regular potpourri section for this episode, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw in a little sneak preview of the solo side project podcast that I've been working on for the past couple weeks. Um, basically, it's called Anthology, and the goal of the podcast is to kind of go over um, classic science fiction anthology television shows uh which basically means the twilight zone and then eventually the outer limits um the goal of the podcast is to kind of go through and kind of give my thoughts on it as a viewer as a modern day viewer i guess and and kind of give some background on the episodes and stuff i'm really excited about it it's it's going to be a lot of fun um i actually just got a voicemail number set up for it um so anyway so here's a here's a short preview from the first couple episodes um here in a couple of weeks, I'll put the the entire first episode on the Obsessive Viewer feed, and then all that will have information on how you can find uh, where you can find anthology. Um, so here you go. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Anthology, a podcast exploring science fiction anthology television during TV's golden age. You kind of see where he is coming from as a person who's terrified, but he's also kind of not necessarily making the best of a bad situation because he doesn't make the best of it because it's it's a horrible situation. But he has this this aura about him where he's having a I love the way that the story unfolds. That's what I keep coming back to is that it's such a... 
such a natural progression, and it's played so well by by Holloman that it's it's hard not to get really, really invested in his character, even though not only does he not know anything about himself, we as the viewer have no idea what what's going on. We have no context for who he is or what he is. We just have these these little hints that he is at heart a good person and someone that we can root, root for as he slowly descends into this kind of madness. Something about them all together just, just lacked a punch for me. Um, this episode's well-written, and the story reaches a satisfying conclusion, but honestly, it just feels like it's on rails. Um, there's a story that Serling wanted to tell, and he hits its beats, and then it's done. In the done. context of the late 50s and early 60s, and in context of television of that era, um, it's really no surprise that the Twilight Zone had an episode that was set in the Old West, especially so soon in its run. Western shows were insanely popular at the time. I'm not saying that Serling wrote Mr. Denton on Doomsday with the intention of attracting fans of the Western genre to his little sci-fi anthology series. Whether conscious or not, it's interesting to see such an early episode of The Twilight Zone play so much into what was popular at the time on television. The contrast in the lighting between the viewing room and the foyer set just perfectly defines the seclusion that Barbara is in and kind of instantly pits the viewer into this somewhat surreal world where she's defiant of, of change and ignorant of, of willfully ignorant of the of the present. So there you have it, a short preview of Anthology, the podcast I've been working on as a side project for the past couple of weeks. Um, you can find a little bit more information about the show and, and links and all that at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts and the official site is anthologypod.com but there's nothing really there yet but there will be like I said on probably August 3rd is when I'm going to release the first episode on the Obsessive Viewer feed um, so alright well that'll do it for this week thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next week with Pat Coon from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast for a talk about Ant-Man thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I Am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.